Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up, if you will, please, to the book of Job. Job chapter 1, we're going to begin. And I want to talk to you just simply uh, about a message. I, I don't know, it's, it's remaining true to God in a crisis, but I think we've got the slide there we can go ahead and put up. Uh, I, I, but for this particular sermon, I think I titled it, Don't Tap Out. Do you guys see that? Maybe we'll get it up here on the slide. I just want to make sure they were concerned. Yeah, okay. I forgot to change the title of the whole slide presentation, so they thought I had last week's in there, or, or Brother John. By the way, Pastor John Pratt, where is he? He's somewhere back there in the back. Thank you for filling in for me last week, and heard you did a great job, and so I certainly appreciate that. But um, it, this, is, this has kind of been, an, I don't know, 2014 has been a big year for me um, in, a, in, a, in a number of ways. I mean, just think about it. We have our 15-year anniversary for our church this year. Uh, my wife and I will be celebrating 30 years of marriage this year. So that's pretty awesome. Let's give, come on, you can, you can give an applause out there. Somebody asked me, said, how do you stay married to one, one woman for 30 years? And I said, well, she changes her hairstyle about every two. So that, that, that kind of helps. And, uh, and color. And sometimes I don't know who the woman is that's walking in the living room. And there she is. And so that kind of helps. And. And, and, and today, today we're talking about this year, you know, 30-year anniversary, 15-year anniversary for the church here that we're celebrating. My daughter, today is her birthday. She turns 21 today. So my baby girl is, is 21 years old today. And, uh, man, these are things. And then I think about also this year I turned 50. I know I don't look it. I know you're totally shocked. But I turned 50. I mean, this is a huge year. And on top of all of those anniversary dates that are kind of just big dates on the calendar in and of themselves, it seems like this year, I mean, I tell you, I tell you what, coming through the end of last year, 2013, and through Christmas and having our Christmas Eve service, and, and so, man, I was just so excited about what God was doing in our church, and I, it seemed, I was just on top of the world with all that was happening and where we were going, and then we move into 2014, and it seems like it's been one punch after another punch after another kidney blow after another kidney blow. And it just sometimes you just wonder what is going on. Well, I, I thought about now I'm not big into I don't even know what kind of fighting that is. I'm kind of old school. I love the old, uh, you know, the old boxing where you stand there with gloves, the old Sugar Ray Leonard type thing, Muhammad Ali and that kind of just boxing thing. This whole new way of fighting I'm really not into. All this kicking and screaming and carrying on and, tw- and you know, it looks like they're doing yoga together wrapped up and it, it's, it's all about who can tap out first and, you know, that just doesn't excite me. I don't even, think, I don't even know what that is. It's almost like girl fighting. I hope I didn't offend anybody that's kind of really into that stuff. But, you know, just stand toe-to-toe and box it out. I don't know this other stuff. Kicking? You know, when I was growing up, if you kicked, you were a girl. Guys, you didn't kick. When, when guys got in the fight, you, you, know, you don't kick. That's girl stuff. 
that's just old school. That's why I was. It seems like it's all changed today and all the kicking and stuff. I don't know. But, and I guess there are. Now I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to get in the ring with any of those guys. So I know you're going to come tell me. Okay, if you think it's girl stuff, you get in the. No, I am. Those guys are crazy. Okay. I'm not doing that. But the point I'm trying to make is they're, they're in there, they're fighting, and they get in, held into a position, and then they just eventually tap out. Right? I give up. I quit. I'm out. Okay, stop. Game over. Well, I want to try to apply that to where we are. And that's why I kind of put this for the title of this message, Don't Tap Out. Okay? When life is getting tough, when, the, when it seems like the world is falling down around you, when it seems like the foundation of everything that you have built your entire life upon is being shaken, when it seems like life is completely out of control. Matter of fact, I told my wife that the other day. I said, honey, I said, I, I really feel like everything is just completely out of control. And if you know me at all, you know I'm, I'm kind of OCD on a lot of things. And, and I like order and I like structure and I kind of like things to, to be running the way they're supposed to be running and things to be looking the way they're supposed to be looking and for things to be, you know, just kind of, and it seems like everything's out of control in my life. And, and I told her, I said, yeah, you, ever, you feel like that? Because that's kind of where I am. And, and guys, you know what? At some point in life, we're all going to get to that point. When we feel like life is just completely out of control, that, that the, the foundations are being shaken. The, I mean, this, the crisis is, is there, okay? The troubles are there. Well, what do we do? What do we do in a crisis? Well, that's what I want to share with you, and I'm not going to keep you real long. Hopefully, <laughs> you all laugh and chuckle whenever I say that, but I, I want to talk to you about how to remain true to God in a crisis, Okay. Now, in Job chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there and, and look with me real quickly. I'm not going to read all of this, okay? Uh, but in Job chapter 1, it talks about Job. It mentions about his family. It talks about how wealthy he was. It talks about all of his kids and all that he had. And, and it talks about him being a, a wonderful man of God and how he feared the Lord and he served God and he turned away from evil. And I mean, this was a righteous man. Okay, and we all know the story of Job and I'm not going to belabor it by reading everything, but I want to draw your attention to a few verses of scripture in Job chapter one and verse number six. It says one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. And the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him and walking around on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, get this now, the Lord, the Lord now says to Satan. Satan just going up there to make a false accusation to God against someone. That's kind of what he does. That's still what he does today. OK, he's up there. He is the he is the accuser. He is the one that makes false accusations about us. But here the Lord engages Satan with this conversation. He says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know about you from time to time. I pause right there and say, God, what are you doing? Why would you ask him about me? OK, I mean, things are going good, right? Why, Lord, would you ask Satan about me? Have you considered my servant Job? Listen to what the Lord says about Job. No one on else. No one else on earth is like him. He's a man of perfect integrity. He's a man who fears God. He's a man who turns away from evil. So question is, is Job a righteous man? Sure he is. Talk to me. Yeah, right. He, he is a righteous man. He's a man that fears God. He's a man that turns away from evil. Is Job sinning at this point? No, no. Right. He, he's not in some deep sin. Right. Let me ask you this. Is Job out of God's will at this point? 
No, he's right in the center of God's will. He's not caught in some sin. He doesn't have a life of unconfessed sin and God's trying to get his attention. This is a man that is righteous, that turns away from evil, that loves God, that's serving him. And then his world is getting ready to be turned upside down completely. But look in verse number nine. Satan answered the Lord. Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge? Everybody say hedge. Haven't you placed a hedge around him and his household and everything that he owns? You see, Satan realizes, hey, I can't get to him. You've built this wall of protection around him. You've blessed him. Certainly he's going to love you. Certainly he's going to live for you. You've blessed him with all these things. You've built this hedge about him. I cannot get to him. But look what Satan says in verse 11. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan is saying this to God. Yes, he's going to love you. Yes, he's going to worship you. Yes, he's going to serve you while everything's going good, while you have this hedge of protection around him. But here's the thing, God. You take down the hedge, you strike everything he owns and everything he has, and he'll quit blessing you. And he'll quit worshiping you. And he'll even turn from you. The Lord says, and this is the scary part, very well. Wow. Has God ever said very well about your life? Very well, Satan, drop the hedge on Paul. Very well, Satan, drop the hedge on Nancy. Very well, Satan, drop the hedge on Diane. And and go through all of our lives. Very well, very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Now, as you go through the rest of the verses here, and I'm not going to read all of them, but verse number 13 now, the hedge is down. Okay? Job is getting ready to have his entire world turned upside down. Things are going perfect in Job's life. Things are smooth. I mean, he's being blessed. The hedge of protection is there. He has sons. He has daughters. He has livestock. He has wealth. He has, he has servants. I mean, he is a blessed man. In verse number 13, he loses his oxen and his donkeys and also his servants. In verse number 16, while that servant's still speaking to Job and telling him about that, he comes and he tells him about his sheep that have been, been lost, about his servants that have been destroyed. While that servant is still speaking to Job about that in verse number 17 there comes another and says hey your all your camels are gone and all your servants there are gone while that servant is still speaking to him in verse number 18 another one comes and says now all of your children have been destroyed they are all gone now let me ask you a question was that a bad day for Job I mean this happened bam 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 all in one day was he having a bad day Have you ever had a day similar to that? I guess none of us had a day exactly like that. But have we had a day similar to that? I guess all of us have, haven't we? We've had some difficult days, weeks, months, years, seasons of life that we have to get through sometimes. And it seems like we're suffering the same thing that Job is suffering. My question is, what is going to be your response? How are you going to respond when your world comes crashing down around you? How are, you going to, how are you going to respond when the very foundation that you've built your entire life upon, that you've built your entire family upon, how are you going to respond when the foundation now starts to shake and crumble and possibly deteriorate? That's tough, is it not? 
How did Job respond? Look quickly, if you will, in verse number 20. Then Job stood up and he tore his robe. You've got to understand, in the biblical days, uh, uh, the tearing of the outer garment was a, was a picture of repentance and, and falling before God in repentance and pulling off the outer garment. And it's just, just that repentance that's taking place. He, he, he tore his robe. He repented. He shaved his head. He wanted to be totally exposed before God. And get this. He fell to the ground and murmured. No, that's not what my Bible says. He fell to the ground and started complaining. No, he fell to the ground and said, God, that's it. I quit. No, he fell to the ground and pointed at everybody else that's in the circle of influence in his life. And he said, you're the reason I'm suffering this way. No. What does the Bible say he did? He fell to the ground. You tell me what he did. He worshiped. Are you kidding me? He worshiped. In the midst of losing everything, he fell to the ground and worshiped. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, and worship His holy name. Wow. That's what Job did. In the midst of losing everything, he worshiped. Amen. My question is, is that your response? I want to share with you a little bit of where I've been living lately. And it's been hard to worship. And I keep telling myself, you got to keep worshiping. You got to focus on God. You got to keep your eyes on Him. Otherwise, when you get your eyes off of Him, and you get your eyes on your circumstances, we all know what happened. That's what happened to Peter when he was walking on the water, remember? And he saw the waves boisterous and the wind blowing and the storm all around. And he, he sank. And I've been, I've been at a very pivotal point in my ministry. This is, this is one of the most trying places spiritually. And I'm just confessing to you. This is one of the most trying places spiritually that I have ever been in my entire walk with the Lord. Ever. I'm sharing this with you because, number one, I have nobody else to tell it to other than my wife. And she's heard enough. She's probably tired of hearing it. Right? She, she doesn't. But you're my family. You're, you're my church family. And the Bible says in the book of Galatians that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right? You know, I preach to you all the time. We're, we're not lone rangers. Even the lone ranger had somebody had Tonto. Right? We're not to go through life together. I mean, alone. We're to go through life together. Right? So I want to share a little bit with you and kind of share with you where I am and how I'm going to move forward and how you can move forward. Because, listen, every one of us will get to this point in our life eventually. If you haven't been there yet, I promise you, you're going to get there to where you are going to be tested. You see, I look at my own personal life and, and I've done an inventory in my life and, and I've said, God, show me, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? And I promise you, I don't see any. And I've said, God, reveal it to me. I don't feel that I'm in sin. 
nor do I feel that I'm out of the will of God. I know in my heart that I'm in God's will. I'm being faithful. I'm trying to serve. I'm trying to get up every day and do what God wants me to do and be in the center of his will. And I mean, that involves a lot of decisions, a lot of work in processing through that. But at the end of the day, I want to be in, in God's will. God knows my heart. That is my heart that I'm in God's will. Right? So while we're doing that, do hard times come? Yeah. They did with Job. Let me share with you a little bit what's been going on in my life. I mean, we come into this year, and this year, I'm just going to share with you the last couple of weeks, okay? I'm not going to share with you the last six or eight months. It, it's, it started a year ago. As a matter of fact, it started more. It started about two years ago, and it's just been kind of building and building and boom, and kind of where we are. But, but I'm just going to share with you the last couple of weeks. It, it starts at 2 a.m. or about, about 12.30. I went to bed early that night. And, um, you know, I was tired and I am turning 50 this year. And, and so I think about 8.30 I was in bed. No, I'm just kidding you. Maybe about 9.30 I was in bed. I know that's still kind of early. But anyway, and then about 12.30 or so, I get a phone call from, from Dave Hornyak. And this man, actually, I didn't even hear the phone ring. My wife heard it ring. She got up and answered it. And she said, hey, it's Dave. And she gives me the phone. And he says, Pastor, how do I turn this water off? And it sounds like he is in the middle of Six Flags Water Park and water just gushing. I could just hear it. I'm thinking, where are you? I'm at the church. How do I turn? He's panicking. At that time, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, number one, I didn't know where the church was. I didn't know even how to get there, let alone how to turn the water off. And I said, Dave, I don't have a clue, but I'm on my way. And so I get out here. By the time I get out here, he's already figured it out. He's got the water turned off. And I get out here about 1245, 1 o'clock, somewhere in there. And I promise you, there is two to three inches of water covered this whole building. And I'll be honest with you, when I walked in, I was, uh, you talk about a kidney punch. I mean, I was devastated. Wow. Okay? So we moved fast forward through that. They're tearing up everything. The, the only ones I knew to call were Surf Pro. I'd seen those commercials just like it never happened. You've probably seen those commercials also, right? That's their little tagline, just like it never happened. Well, we haven't got to that point yet, but I guess it's coming. <laughs> But anyhow, they got in here and, and that was the only person I knew to call. So I called Sir Pro and, and he said, Pastor, I can get a team. We can be out there right now. This was at 2 a.m. He said, I can get a team. We can be out there right now or I can get a team there at eight o'clock in the morning and we can just start and we'll knock it out today. And I said, well, you have more experience with this than I do. You tell me, do you need to be here right now or eight o'clock work? And he said, listen, the damage is done. OK, whether we come at two, whether we come at eight, the damage is done. I said, we'll just come at eight o'clock. And that gave Dave and I a chance to go back home and get a little sleep and then get back out of here, okay? Surpro comes, and I mean, they have an army of guys that are in here working through all of this disaster. And the owner actually came in, and, and the two guys that were running the whole team, and they had 25, 30 guys, it seemed, and, and I don't know how many army of trucks that were out there, and they were just ripping up everything, and I'm just kind of walking around like, holy smoke. I mean, they're cutting drywall, they're ripping out insulation, they're ripping out carpet and tearing up tile and ripping off coat base, and I mean, it's just, it's just a mess, and, but they're getting it cleaned up. The owner walks in, and and the two guys that are running the place, and they said, Pastor, is everything okay? And I said, listen, guys, outside of Jesus, I love you guys more than anybody else that I can tell you right now. Because they did help us out, okay? So we worked through that. We worked through that. Well, this week, guess what happened? I'm at home, and it's Thursday evening, I think. You remember those crazy storms that came through? 
Okay? And we're, we're at the house, and, and my daughter, she comes back in the bedroom and gets me. She says, hey, our neighbor's at the front door. The doorbell rings, and he's standing at the front door, and he's holding shingles. Well, guess what? He told my daughter, and he told us, he said, listen, these shingles are flying off your house, and they've been flying into my yard. They're all over your front yard. You may need to come out here and look at it. And we, I go out there and look, and literally, I mean, shingles are just flying off of our roof and flapping from that storm. And, and I go outside and I look, and it seems like the, the whole top section layer, nearly all the way across, a lot of them are gone. Those that are still left are just flapping. They've been ripped up. The vents, the air vents on top of my house have been ripped up and, and torn out. Okay? So I'm thinking, what now? What do I do now? Well, the first thing that came to my mind was call Becky. So I called Becky Capper and I said, hey, I need some help. And so who, who do I call for this? And so then get this. So we got shingles flying off. We got the church totally destroyed. Then my wife comes in last night and she says, oh, by the way, John, I've been doing laundry all day and the dryer is not working. The dryer totally just checks out last night. OK, it's done. It's it's toast. It's it's over. Now I've got uh, this week, I've got to replace a dryer. I've got to work with a roofing company to get new shingles on my house. We're working with contractors to get the church all put back together. I haven't even told you personal issues that we're struggling with. Those are just the, the physical things that we're struggling with. I don't know how many of you know, but my wife has been battling with cancer for 25 plus years. And thankfully, the lymphoma cancer is gone, but she's had a tremendous amount of eye surgery and different things in her eye. She's going to have to go back and have more eye surgery and have some more cancer cut out of cut out of her eye here in a few weeks. And so it just seems like it just things are on and on and on. Just just, you ever been there? I tell you what I wanted to do and I can't find a towel up here, but I wanted to throw the towel in. I wanted to tap. God, I'm done. Right? I am. I'm just done. And I can't tell you how many times that thought ran through my mind. I'm done. I I don't need to put myself, my family through this anymore. I'm done. You ever been there? Don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm, right? You've been there, right? I mean, those are just a crazy. Matter of fact, my wife and I are eating lunch one day and I look across the table at her and I said, have you ever had these just crazy, random, stupid thoughts that run through your brain? She looks at me with her eyes real big. She says, like, what? (laughs) I said, "I, I can't tell you what I'm thinking because it may put you in danger if I actually do what I'm thinking. They're going to come question you and they're going to ask you, did you know anything about this before he actually did that? And so really, I am protecting you, so I can't tell you what I'm thinking. But do you ever have crazy thoughts run through your mind? (laughs) Right? Guys, do you ever have crazy thoughts run through your mind? I mean, crazy thoughts, okay? I know that's of the devil, right? I'm just trying to let you, I'm human, guys. That's all I want you to see is I'm human. I'm walking through this thing called life with you. We all experience these things. Job experienced these things. Now, he didn't record anything about the crazy thoughts. Man, I've had some doozies. But I better not go any further with that. It may put you all at risk. <laughs> well, the question is, how do we remain faithful when it seems like our world is just being just it seems like it seems like somebody comes and picks up our world and just turns it upside down and starts shaking it. You know, like snow globe. 
Well, let me share with you real quickly, and, and I'm done in the book of Job. I want you to look at a couple of verses in Psalm 11 and verse number three. And I've got to be quick now. I've already taken up way too much time. But I want to give you four ways, four things we see through the life of Job. Matter of fact, it would be, it would be great spiritual exercise for you this week to go read the entire book of Job this week. Okay, you, you'll gain some tremendous insight on how to remain faithful in a crisis just by reading the book of Job and seeing how he responded to all that was taking place. Because I promise you, you will be in his shoes. If you haven't yet, eventually you will be walking a mile in his shoes. Okay, you'll be walking a mile in my shoes. I mean, life will just get there and, and you'll be in trouble. So you need to know how to respond. That's what I'm going to help you with here this morning. But in Psalm 11 and verse number three, the psalmist says, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's a great question. Psalm 34, verses 8 and 10, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear Yahweh. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. First Chronicles 16 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Search for the Lord and for his strength. Seek his face always. What are we supposed to do when our world comes crashing down around us? Let me get to the bottom line is this. We're to do what Job did. We are to worship. Okay? We are to focus on God. And anytime we are focusing our attention on God, it's called one thing. That's called worship. Okay, so here's what you're to do whenever you're faced in this with this crisis and it seems like your world is being turned upside down. It seems like your foundations are being shaken. That's what was happening to David when he pinned that psalm. I mean, the armies of Saul were after him to kill him. Uh, the Philistines were attacking the north and southern Israel at, at the time. I mean, there was a tremendous amount of turmoil taking place in David's life. He says, what's what are the righteous to do? Well, the answer is we're to do what Job did. We are to worship God. We're to focus God on God. We're to be intentional every single day because I promise you, as you're going through that, Satan is going to be shooting his fiery darts your way. You're going to be thinking things that you should not be thinking, which, by the way, if I'm just thinking about it, I haven't sinned yet until I actually start doing it, right? 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 I mean, Satan shoots those fiery darts. I'm thinking, where in the world do these thoughts come from? That's not of God. That's not of me. I've, I've been my whole my last 25 years as a pastor. I can't throw it away by carrying out this stupid, crazy thought that I just had. Where is that coming from? That's coming from the devil himself. And we must be wise to his devices and how he works. And then we must turn around and we've got to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. And church, we must stand up and look the devil straight on and we must fight. How do we do that? We got to focus on God and we got to be intentional every day that we're focusing on God. And that's what I want to help you. How do we do that? Here's four ways and I'm going to hit them real quickly and maybe I can come back and unpack them later. But how do you worship? Listen, how do you focus your, your eyes on God when your eyes are filled with tears? How do you focus your heart on God when your heart is broken? It's not easy, is it? But we got to rise up every day. We must be intentional about that. Four ways. Number one, when you face difficult times, you need to tell God how you feel. I mean, just flat out tell him how you feel. 
I mean, have a conversation with God, just you and God by yourself. And you need to just unload your feelings. You need to pour them out. You need to let go of every emotion that you have. You need to let God hear exactly what it is that you're feeling on the inside. You need to lament before God. In Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says, Arise and cry out in the night from the first watch of the night. And says this, pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Listen, whenever you're going through a tough place in life, you need to tell God how you feel. What does that mean? Oh, I wish I had a pitcher of water. That means you just get that pitcher of water and, and that, that symbolizes your life. And the water symbolizes all the emotions and the feelings that you're having. And you just need to pour them out before God. You say, well, isn't that sinful for me to go to God and, and, and complain to God? No, it's not sinful for you to go to God and complain to God. Matter of fact, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to come to him and complain. It is sinful when you go to somebody else and complain to them about God. That's sin. Hello? Are you with me? But if you're going straight to God and you're just talking to God and it's just you and God and you're by yourself, the best thing you can do, some of the best therapy that you can have, spiritually speaking, is just pouring yourself out to God and letting him know exactly what it is that you are thinking and what you are feeling. The Bible says that Job did this in Job 7 and verse number 11. He says, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Job poured himself out to God. Oh, if you'll read the book of Job, church, I encourage you to do that. In the first part of Job, you'll find where he, he expresses his confusion. And he's just confused about everything that's going on. The second part of the book of Job, you'll see that he complains a little bit. And he's talking to God and he's complaining to the Lord. And the third part, he gives he has some outright bold accusations. And then he realizes that God is in control of everything. And he realizes the blessings all come back and, and that God dropped the hedge there for a, for a moment. But he was faithful through it all. So what are you doing? As you're faced with these hard places in life that you get through and. Listen, some people may tell you, well, just suck it up, cupcake. That's life. Right. That's, that's really not good advice right here. Right? Because I'm about ready to smash a cupcake. Right? So don't tell me to suck it up, cupcake. You may be that cupcake. You hear me? <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, guys. I'm just trying to be real. Are you with me? <laughs> Some will say, oh, just grin it and bear it. Oh, that, that, that gets you, I get you nothing. Some might say, well, if it don't kill you, it don't make you stronger. Really? Are you kidding me? That's the best you got? That's the best counsel you can give me? Right? So that's not what you need to do. Your correct response is to be honest and just tell God how you feel. Pour out yourself to the Lord, not to everybody else about what God is doing horrible to you and complaining to everybody else about how bad God is. That's wrong. I'm talking about going to God and pouring yourself out to the Lord, letting him know exactly what it is you're feeling. Let it, I mean, letting him know that you're angry with things that are going on in your life and, and you're questioning things that are going on in your life and, and you're hurt and you're discouraged and, and you, you're filled with pain and, and there's a little bit of fear that's in there and you don't even... Pour yourself. You get it, church? You get what I'm trying to say? Pour yourself out to the Lord. Honesty is always the best policy. As a matter of fact, in Job 42, 
at the end of the book of Job, towards the end, God actually commends Job for spilling his guts and for being completely honest with him. In Job 42, he says to Job, Job, you have spoken honestly. You see, our God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He's just ready for you to bring that all to him. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? Pour yourself out to God. Number two, get this one. Praise God in spite of your circumstances. I mean, praise him. Tell him how you feel, number one, and then turn around and praise him. What did Job do when he was getting the news? It says he, he tore his outer garments. He, he tore his robe off. He shaved his head, which I'm already there, so I don't need to do that, right? And then, and then he worshipped. He fell on his face before God. That's what we need to do. We need to praise him. Praise God in spite of our tough times. Praise God in spite of our circumstances. Praise, praise God in spite of whatever the sickness may be. Praise God in spite of whatever the foundations that we're building on may be shaken. Somewhat, we need to learn to praise him, and this is what Job did in Job one twenty one. I've already read this to you, and the latter part he says, "I was born with nothing, and I would die with nothing." The Lord gave, and now He's taken away. May His name be praised. And that's just what we sang a while ago. The book of Job is all about one question, and I don't even know if I have this on the slide, but it's a good question. I should have put it on there if I didn't. But the book of Job is all about one question in life: Will a person continue to worship? God, if he loses everything. What about you? What if you just lost everything? Would you continue to worship God? What about if you lose everything? I mean, you lose family, you lose friends, you lose homes, you lose carpet, you you lose everything in your life. Would you continue to worship? That's what the entire book of Job is about. Will a person continue to follow God? Will a person continue to love God if everything in his life is going on or going wrong. Guys, in the midst of everything going wrong, we still have a lot of reasons to worship Him. I love this song, Bless the Lord. I want us to come back and sing that here in just a moment as our invitation song, as just our song of triumph at the end. Because it doesn't matter. We need to choose to praise Him in the midst of our circumstances. Listen, why can I still praise Him in the midst of it seems like everything going wrong in my life? Right? What do I have to praise Him about? What do you have to praise him about? Well, there's a lot of things that we still have to praise him about. We can praise him in spite of our circumstances because, listen, even though our circumstances may not be what we would want them to have, our God has not changed. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Give the Lord a praise offering right there. Our God has not changed. Our God is still in control. Our God is still omnipotent, which is all-powerful. Our God is still omnipotent which is all-knowing. Our God is still omnipresent, which is everywhere at the same time. Our God is still a loving God. Our God is still a God that's in control of our lives. Our God is still a God that knows us by name. Our God is still a God that has a plan for our life. This is just a speed bump in life. And what we need to do in the midst of circumstances that are just rocking our world, we need to intentionally rise up and praise Him in the midst of all of that. Number three, got to hit this one and go. Number three, get this one. Ask God for strength and for help. Now we're telling Him, we're pouring ourselves out to God. We're worshiping Him. We're praising Him in the midst of our circumstances. The third thing we need to do is simply call out to Him and ask for strength and ask for help. Listen, guys, you can't fight this battle by yourself. I promise you. You see, a little confession is good for the soul right here. 
I've always considered myself a very strong man. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally and mentally strong. But I think what God's been doing, he's been breaking me down and saying, oh boy, you're not as strong as you thought you were. You still need me. Has God ever brought you on that crossroad of life? Where he just reminds you that, hey, you still need me. Right? Everybody say that. You still need me. Right? Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor you still need God. Go ahead. You still need God. Psalm 105 and verse number 4. Psalm 105 and verse number 4. The psalmist says, look to the Lord for strength. You see, when we're in the midst of a crisis, when we're in the midst of our world being shaken, our foundations being shaken, it seems like our world turned upside down, life completely out of control. That is not the time to run from God. That is the time to run to God. (laughs) Ask him. Psalm, Psalm 3 and verse number 5, the psalmist says, I can lie down and go to sleep and I can wake up again because the Lord gives me strength. Here's what I've discovered. When I'm going through all this kind of stuff and I lay in bed and I toss and turn and I can't sleep and my mind won't shut off and I just keep thinking about things and I just keep running scenarios through my mind. You guys been there, done that? You know why we're doing that? Because we're still in control of it. I promise you, while you're still in control of it, you're not going to sleep good. I promise you, while you're still in control, you're going to toss, you're going to turn, you're not going to be able to turn your mind off, you're going to run scenarios through your mind all the time. While you're still in control, you have a hard time sleeping. But, however, here comes the good part. When you turn it over to God... When you let him take control, when you say, God, listen, there's nothing else I can do about this. I am totally weak. I am broken. I am humbly laying myself before you. I need your help. I need your strength. I promise you in that hour, you'll sleep like a baby. Maybe a baby that's eight or nine months old. Maybe not a newborn baby, but you'll sleep like a baby. Right? The psalmist says, Psalm 3 and 5, I can lie down, I can go to sleep, and I can wake up again. Why? Because the Lord gives me strength. Here's another verse you need to write down. Psalm 37, 39 through 40. What a great verse this is. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in a time of distress. He's our refuge in a time of distress. Verse number 40. The Lord helps and delivers them and he will deliver them from the wicked and he will save them because they take refuge in him. You see, God is waiting to give you strength. God is waiting for you to ask for his help. He's there, but he's not going to he's not going to force himself on you. He's going to wait for you to ask him. Oh, let me go on a little bit further here. Number four. Whenever you face difficult times, how do you not tap out? Well, number one, you tell God how you feel. Number two, you praise God in spite of your circumstances. Number three, you ask God for strength and for help. And number four, you keep focused on God and his promises. All right? Keep your focus on God and his promises. You see, here's what most of us do. We come to church on Sunday. We focus on God. We focus on God here for about an hour or so. And then we leave. We go outside those doors. 
It seems like our world is crashing down around us and we're kind of always looking at the circumstances and we're not focusing on God. Here's the problem or here's what we need to do. We need to be focusing on God every single day, every single hour, every single minute of every hour, every second of every minute. We need to be focusing our attention on the Lord and on his promises, right? We need to focus on him continually. We need to stay connected to him. Have you ever felt like you were being disconnected and pulled away from God? That's a scary feeling to get out there, isn't it? I felt that over the last couple of weeks. I felt like I'm being pulled from the Lord. And, and I don't know that I've ever really experienced that before in my life. And I may have said some things to my wife. She's like, this is not my husband. I haven't heard him speak like this in a long, long time. And I, sometimes I catch myself, what are you doing? And I feel like I'm being pulled from the Lord. And I know it's nothing more than a spiritual battle. Right? Guys, are you, are you okay with me sharing some of this stuff with you? I'm just trying to let you know where I feel. Because we're all going to get there at some point in life. What is our response? And these are some of the things that I've been trying to intentionally do every single day. These four things I'm sharing with you. I'm telling God how I feel. And believe me, I'm telling Him how I feel. And I'm doing it respectfully. Right? He is God. But I'm still telling Him how I feel. I'm letting Him know. And I'm trying my best to praise him in the midst of all my circumstances. I've been trying my best to listen to Joy FM or listen to good Christian music and, and trying to listen to that and listen to that. And, and then praise him if Dell Jr. can win the 500 today. I'm asking God for strength. I'm asking him for help. Right? And I'm keeping my focus on him. I just got all focused right there, so I apologize for that. But I'm keeping my focus on the Lord. Let me share with you one last verse and I'm done. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 through 18. What a great verse this is. The Bible says, therefore, we do not give up. Ooh, I like that. All right. Now, now, anytime the word therefore is there, you need to pause and stop and see what it is there for. So here's your homework assignment. Go back and read from chapter three, chapter four into chapter four, verse 16, and 18. And you'll see why the therefore is there. And I don't have time to unpack that. But therefore, we do not give up, even though get this, even though our outer person is being destroyed and our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but we focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now that's a whole lot in those couple of verses right there. Let me unpack it for you real quickly. In this passage, this passage of Scripture gives us three reasons why we do not need to get discouraged. It gives us three reasons why we should not lose heart. It gives us three reasons why we should not tap out. When it seems like our world is going crazy. Number one, we know that all of our troubles are temporary. Right? One of the greatest phrases in the Bible is, this too shall pass. Right? One day we'll turn around, we'll look back at this, and we'll think, you remember back when, oh yeah. And we'll look back and we'll laugh at the fact that Dave was out here with a little push broom squeegee trying to wipe away water. We'll laugh about that one day. Maybe not so much right now. Maybe it still is a little bit funny right now. We'll look back. We've got to realize that things are, are temporary. You see, he says in verse 17, for our momentary light affliction, it's just temporal. It's here for just a short time. And we know that God is, number two reason, is that we know that God is using all of these light afflictions for a greater eternal purpose. 
Right? He has the big picture. He sees it all. And he has the eternal perspective. And then thirdly, because we're looking on the unseen, which is eternal, we're keeping our eyes on God. That's three ways that we can definitely know that we can go through life and not tap out. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're, we're done. I just want to share those four thoughts with you this morning. I hope it's an encouragement to you. I hope it's a blessing to you. You may say, preacher, I don't know that I've... Listen, you'll, you'll get there. If you haven't experienced a difficult place in life, number one, you probably haven't lived long enough. And, and, but, but number two, it's coming. Okay? So get ready. You're going to fa- face some hard places in life. Well, what do you do when you face those hard times? I want you to do these four things. I want you to tell God how you feel. I want you to praise God in spite of your circumstances. I want you to ask God for strength and help. And I want you to keep focused on God and His promises. Right? One of the promises I've been hanging on to, he says... I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Have you ever been in those dark places in life and sometimes you turn around and say, God, where are you? He's there. And I know it's kind of old school thinking and it's an old school poem, but I don't know how many have ever seen the poem Footprints. That's so true. There's two sets of feet print in the sand when they're walking down the beach. And then all of a sudden the guy looks back and He says, Lord, there's only one said, where were you? And the Lord says, at that time, I was, those those are my footprints. I was carrying you. You know that poem? That's so true. It's so true. You know, I'm at the place right now. I'm just tired of walking on the beach. I need to be carried. And there's really nothing you can do but pray for me. But I need the Lord to carry me. Right? Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.